Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Obis Partners. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. It's our show. We're talking about what my father taught me about money and what he got wrong. Now, I read a really interesting article and stuff the other day that was what my father taught me about real estate and what he got wrong. And actually, I read it and then I noticed that Andrew was quoted in it. Well, me slash us. It was about our book, Wealth Plan, I yeah, think. Yeah, but they'd made my name Andrew McNichol, so blended us together. Yeah, well, basically the same person. Honestly, if I if my last name was a Wordle word, no one would get it right because everyone spells it differently. And I think the thing is we learn a lot from our parents, even if we don't realise it at the time. And so I want to talk through some of the beliefs that both Andrew and I have been taught, some good, some bad. And I think that as you're listening to these, think about some of the things your parents taught you, both the good and bad, about money. Now, Andrew, I know you've got a lot of stories about what your dad taught you, <laughs> but give us your first one. Okay, so the first one is working hard for your money to get ahead. Now, I know I've told this story before, but I'll tell it for any new listeners. So years and years and years ago, one Christmas, and it was at my sister's house, and my sister had just got the game called, what's it called? Family feud. Family feud. Where basically you've you've got the wisdom of crowds has been you've got collective answers from a hundred people, and so the, the question might be what's the best city of New Zealand, and then people rank it, and then you buzz, and if you're right, then you get points. Now anyway, the first card that came out was how do you get rich? Being richer than my dad, I thought I've got you in the bag. I'm going to get you with this one. So I buzzed and I said property, and it was number five on a list of six. It was real estate was the way to get rich. And I thought, what are these other four wonder drugs that I don't know about that are going to make me rich? Anyway, my dad got to go and he said, work hard. And I laughed and laughed and laughed and said, how's that going for you, dad? Anyway, that was number two. Your poor dad. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm competitive. Look, the lesson there for me was my dad, who had been working hard his entire life, as long as I can remember, he not only worked hard, but worked two jobs, and he never got ahead. And so the lesson there was, it's a, about working smarter, not harder, I guess, or, or working both. Okay, so I want to tell you a story. Now, and I'll talk to, talk to you about my father. Now, I don't have a particularly good relationship with him, and I, I'm not sure whether he listens to the show or not, so I hope that doesn't come as too much of a shock if he's listening. Sorry. And, well, it's true. It's just going to be so good if he is listening, Oh, Ed, I'm going to call you and you'll ignore him as usual. No, I will pick up his phone call if I'm not busy. God, we sound like terrible people. You are. And the thing about my father, especially when we were little, he was so focused on paying down the mortgage. And I think it was to such an extent that it was the only real driving force. I'll give you an example where I think it probably went too far. So our budget for groceries back in early 2000s was $100 a week for our family of six. And I remember my mum telling me a story about where she'd spent an extra $6 on socks for my brother William. And Must have been nice socks. Yeah, well, it was $7 or something. One pair of socks. Yeah, so she went over the grocery budget by 6 or $7. And then I think William had to go on some sort of school trip. And, you know, and, and my dad's response was, uh, well, maybe we could have sent him on the school trip if you didn't spend 6 or $7 on socks. <laughs> and I, look, I'm not trying to paint him as a bad guy because I'm, I'm sure that that's not what he was, he was just trying worried. to be. He was just worried about money. He wanted to pay off the mortgage and that was his main goal. And you know, he was very successful at, at paying down debt. You know, I mean, how my mother fed a family of six on 100 bucks a week, I will never know. But 
I think the idea was, you know, maybe we we pay off out of the mortgage and then then we can spend more. Then we could have a nice life. And I'm, I'm look, I don't know if that's exactly it, but that was my interpretation. And for me, I think the lesson there is you absolutely do want to make good financial choices, right? You want to pay off debt. You want to get rid of your own mortgage. But I also think, what's the point if you're not enjoying life along the way? And what's the point if life's a bit too tough? And I, I do think that it's all in degrees, right? Like, what's the degree of actually you've gone too far? And what's the degree of actually you're doing a good job? You're being really aggressive, paying off your mortgage. That's a good thing. And I think you just want to make sure that you're not taking it so far that, that you aren't enjoying life, both you and the people around you. God, look what? at us pouring our hearts out, Andrew. <laughs> so I remember a time when, again, my parents were you know, struggling to pay down their mortgage. And that was obviously in the back of their mind but they didn't know how to get ahead. And somehow, somewhere, maybe at a home show, they signed up for a mortgage repayment program. And so a guy came round, and I don't think he had a laptop back in those days. They might have had a laptop. It wasn't New Zealand home loans, but it was kind of like them. So they used revolving credit to pay your mortgage off faster. Now, I was still at high school, and I remember this guy comes round and he starts drawing up these plans of how my parents could be debt-free in three years rather than the... 20 years that was left on their mortgage at the time. And I just didn't get it. I was sitting there going, but how? Tell me how you do No, it's easy. You just funnel your money through your mortgage and you'll be mortgage-free sooner. I don't know much about mortgages, but I don't get the concept that you would pay off your mortgage if you're not paying more money onto it. And I really grilled this guy and grilled this guy and grilled this guy till eventually I think he got fed up and left. And my parents were probably, you know, if it hadn't been for me grilling this guy, would have signed up for this program. And I think you had to pay quite a lot of money. It was thousands of dollars to sign up for the program. But they didn't have spare money because he was going, all your spare money goes into your mortgage. And I said, well, there is no spare money. There's no spare money in this house. Look at it. There's no spare money. And so I think my lesson there was you've really got to educate yourself before you sign up for these kind of programs where you're going to get debt-free faster and actually make sure that they are going to work for you because it's all well and good to say if you have surplus money, you should pay that onto your mortgage and you'll pay it off faster. That is absolutely true and is the right thing for people to do. But if you don't have surplus money, don't waste your money on a program because it won't work. I think with the revolving credits, nobody tells you that your revolving credit account is on a floating interest rate and will be on a higher interest rate because of that. So all very well to say mathematically, and I saw a Facebook ad in my Facebook feed recently where somebody talking about paying off your mortgage quicker with the revolving credit, you know, and you look at the maths and you think, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But they never factor in the fact that you are going to pay a higher interest rate because of the revolving credit. And if you want to learn more about that, we actually did an episode a couple of years ago where we debunked channeling, the idea that you can just put money through a revolving credit and you'll magically pay off your mortgage faster. It's absolutely incorrect. You've got to be making additional repayments. Yes. Now, I'll tell you a really good one, actually, that my, my mother actually taught me. I remember we were buying a house when I was about eight. No, it wasn't when I was eight. It was a couple of years later. We were selling a house on Disraeli Street in Harwara in South Taranaki. And we engaged Carol from McDonald Real Estate. They've got great ads in Taranaki. Really? How does it go? Old McDonald Real Estate <laughs> sold our farm. Mm -hmm. 
it's a beautiful thing. Their website is eieio.co.nz. That is fantastic. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. That's marketing genius. So anyway, Carol from McDonald Real Estate, we were talking about it, and Carol was saying, well, what do you think your house is worth? And, you know, my mum probably says, oh, it's worth $200,000 or two hundred fifty, whatever it happened to be. Can't remember. And she was talking about, well, this is what else is listed. And I'll never forget what Carol said. She says, never base your house price expectation on what's listed. Base it on what has sold. Because especially in a small town, I'm surprised you're not nodding furiously at that point. Yeah, no, I was just looking at the EIEIO website. (laughs) So she says, never base your price expectation on what's listed. Base it on what has sold. Because especially in a small town, people can list things at whatever price they... uh, Yeah, that's not a buyer. What you need to know is not what sellers want, it's what buyers are willing to pay. And you can find that out online on homes.co.nz, one roof. You can find out what houses are selling for and what people are willing to pay. But I think that was a really good lesson that, you know, sitting there with my mum talking to a real estate agent when I was probably about 12 or 13, I'll never forget that. Don't base your price expectations on what something's listed at, based on what is selling in your area. Is Carol still there? I don't know. If Carol, shall I Google it now? Yeah, well, hang on. I've got the website still up here. I remember what she looks like. She was a lovely lady with blonde hair. Probably about 50 at the time, she, so she might be. They started in 1912. Did they? They used to be located. In... Oh, look at, look at the founder, Michael McDonald Sr., Oh, he's got a big old pipe <laughs> in his mouth. Oh, how good. Well, look, I haven't found Carol from McDonald Real Estate, but tell me another story about what your father taught you. Well, I think actually one of the ones that sticks in my mind quite a lot is that your job, if you're PAYE, I think people think that, you know, your job's very secure. If you're in a PAYE employment, your job's secure, more, more secure than being self-employed. Now, I was working for the bank at the time, and I remember getting a phone call from my dad in the middle of the day, which was quite odd. And he said, oh, Andrew, I've just got this letter from work that I want to run past you. It says that they're going to do a restructure and they want my feedback. And I said, Dad, you're being made redundant. And he said, what do you mean? I said, it's Sandvik, who was the company you worked for for like 30 years, is firing you. They're getting rid of you. Oh, and so they, they were calling a meeting where they were getting you in to talk about how they could make the company more profitable and wanted, wanted his feedback on it, which is just a process to get rid of someone. So I said, I'll come as your support person. So I went in and his direct manager and his CEO were there and the company was doing not as well as it had been and they were going to get rid of the storeman. And the reason they were getting rid of him over someone else is because he'd been there for 30 years and so his income was significantly higher than the next guy down who was, you know, been there for a few years. So getting rid of dad would have saved them money. And they said, how do we make more money? And I said, well, isn't this your job? You're the CEO. You've got to figure it out, not dad who works in the store. Anyway, he got made redundant and had to go get another job. And like, you know, he was he was in his 50s at that time, I think. It was pretty heartbreaking for him. He'd been diligent to that company. He'd worked day in and day out, probably six days a week for, for 30 years and expected that he'd be looked after well into his retirement, but not at all. That might have been how it used to be. That's just not the way it works these days. And I oh, think, tell that to my dad. And I think that that's one of the key reasons why even if your plan is to work for a company and not be self-employed, which is a perfectly legitimate approach oh, to making money. I'm not money, saying go and be self-employed necessarily. That's, yeah. that's one way to lose money. But you've got to have some some other asset base as well. I, look, I just want to tell you one more story that really sticks in my mind. And put away your phone because this is going to speak to your heart, Andrew. I remember 
going to church, because we're big churchies. We, yeah. we're Believe big. it or not, Edward McKnight and I used to go to church. I taught Sunday Religiously. school. Religiously. <laughs> 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 and I remember we were Harwood Assembly of God Church. And part of going to church is tithing, giving money to the church so that oh. the community can continue operating. And I will never forget them doing an offering. And there was a lady, and I won't say her name because, you know, some people listen to the show from Harrow might know who she was. Fiona. And I, it wasn't Fiona. And I remember, you know, knowing that she didn't have a lot of money. And I will never forget where she walked up to the front of the church during, you know, the, where they get you all excited. And she took her wallet out and she tipped it over and she's oh. shaking every every coin, every note out of her out of her wallet. Fiona, no. And look, look, she might have had cards. She might have had, you know, she obviously didn't put her FPOS card in, <laughs> you know. Well, you does she not care? You never know. But I I remember being quite nervous for her and hoping that she wasn't putting herself in a bad financial position, giving away money she didn't have. And that sticks in my mind and reminds me that you've got to look after your own financial situation. You've got to set yourself up so that you are then able to help other people. If you just help other people and never help yourself, A, you're going to be reliant on other people, but you're never going to get yourself into the financial position where you are then able to help people even more. I mean, if you gave away every dollar you ever had when you were 19, Andrew, you never would have built your assets to the point where now you can be extraordinarily generous, both with friends and with charities and, and other people. I think that that is a very important lesson. Yeah, that offering and tithing part, I remember that very specifically and, and remembering my parents doing the same, giving money away to the church and thinking, you haven't set yourself up, you need to look after yourself first, but it's so ingrained in them that they must do it. And we're not saying, because of course there'll be some people who go to church and aren't religious listening to the show, we're not saying don't tithe, tithe is bad. Absolutely not saying that. We're just saying you can't give beyond your capacity to give. Yeah, and I think I think just because there's some scripture around percentages, 10% that you give away, I think people really, like my parents did, like that was in their mind, if they weren't giving 10%, then they were, you know, going against the word of God. And uh, I just don't know that that's... I, I'm not comfortable with that kind of messaging. People should give what they can afford to give, right? Yeah, I, what they are able to, that's not going to put them in a, in a difficult position. That's that's my view of it. Yeah. And I think it's quite interesting. Many people listening to the show now will also be thinking back to, you know, what are some of those founding memories that just stick in your mind and teach you a really good financial lesson? And look, if anything that we've talked about today, you know, kind of hit you and you think, God, I'd really like to share that with a friend or, or, or a family member, then one of the best ways you can help us grow this property investment community that we are building is to share this with a friend. That's how most people first find out about the show. So if you want to share it, that would be a big help. And of course, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show. It really does help us get the message out to more people. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 